Hello and welcome to Blockers. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Spoiler Alert by Olivia Day. This was published in 2020 and this is very obviously the first book in a new series. Yes, and as far as I can tell, that series is called the Spoiler Alert series, so self-titled. Perfect. <laughs> I never know when it's a self-titled listing if it's like we don't know yet. Yes. Yes. Or if that's actually the title. Well, it reminds me of the Duke Undone where it still says that it's the first in an untitled series and I'm like, "Oh, is that like is that an art reference or is it really just untitled?" You know? Yeah, we're still we're still waiting to know. Still confused. So once again, I feel like this is a trend. It's another modern. We've had yeah. a lot of contemporaries lately. I know. So they're they're different, but it's it's good. It'll give us it'll just make us really happy when we get back to our true love historical. I'm feeling more cultured now. Yeah, exactly. We're broadening our horizons. Exactly. So the jacket Marcus Castor Rupp has a secret. While the world knows him as Aeneas, the star of the biggest show on TV, Gods of the Gates. He's known to fan fiction readers as Book Aeneas Would Never, an anonymous and popular poster. Marcus is able to get his own frustrations out with his character through his stories, especially the ones that feature the internet's favorite couple to ship, Aeneas and Lavinia. But if anyone ever found out about his online persona, he'd be fired immediately. April Whittier has secrets of her own. A hardcore Lavinia fan, she's hidden her fan fiction and cosplay hobby from her real life for years. But not anymore. When she decides to post her latest Lavinia creation on Twitter, her photo goes viral. Trolls and supporters alike are commenting on her plus-size take. But when Marcus, one half of her OTP, sees her pic and asks her out on a date to spite her critics, she realizes life is really stranger than fan fiction. Even though their first date is a disaster, Marcus quickly realizes that he wants much more from April than a one-time publicity stunt. And when he discovers she's actually unapologetic Lavinia Stan, his closest fandom friend, he has one more huge secret to hide from her. With love and Marcus's career on the line, can the two of them stop hiding once and for all, or will a match made in fandom end up prematurely canceled? Ha ha ha. <laughs> I actually think this is a very cute book jacket that gets across yeah. a lot of what you're going to get in the book. Totally agree. I actually there's nothing I'd change about this jacket. It's not a hundred percent accurate, but no. we have always said that if you get the spirit right, that's much more important than accuracy in a book jacket. I wanted to ask you though, why do you think her biggest conflict in the story is her size? She's a fat woman mm -hmm. who a lot of her past relationships with friends, family, and romantic partners has really been complicated by their feelings about fatness, right? And so that's the thing she's primarily navigating in this book and the trolls that are mentioned in regard to the Twitter post about her most recent Lavinia costume. It just says commenting on her plus size take. Right. I think that's a really subtle mention yeah. of what was like her biggest conflict. And I'm sort yeah. of wondering if that was deliberate. 
I don't know. I think it might be. Have you, so if you have listened to our podcast for a while, you guys know that Lane doesn't often actually see the covers of these books. I have seen the cover of this one. Okay. I think the the cover itself does a really good job of getting across that she's plus size and, you know, that this guy, that they're both in the fandom, like they're both doing cosplay. Uh, But yeah, the book jacket itself is very subtle. I just, the, okay, I, my, my only complaint about the cover, mm-hmm. his costume makes no sense. Yeah. Because his main character on the show Gods at the Gate is Aeneas. It's a, yep. like, epic fantasy set in Roman times. Yeah. And that costume looks like a mixture of modern British regalia and, like, ancient Chinese warrior. It does kind of look like that, Yeah. Like, none of this screams Roman to me. Yeah, I I don't know. It didn't. So, also, guys, before we start this review, I think we have to let you know that we are not Game of Thrones viewers or readers. We've read them. I read the first one. I think Lane read read more than the first one. All of them. Um, But we have not watched... I haven't watched any of it. Have you watched any of I've it? I've seen two episodes ever. Okay. And I do think that a lot of this book is focused on really being, utilizing blind items and gossip from what went down on the Game of Thrones last few seasons uh, as a background. And I only know this because, I mean, it, it is in, like, the cultural zeitgeist. I am I in know this office. from the zeitgeist. Right, right, right. Uh, I have, you know, I have friends and I have colleagues who were super into Game of Thrones, obviously. We are not, so it wasn't near and dear to our hearts. And we weren't like, yes, you know, go kick their asses or anything like that. Yeah, I think the other disclaimer we have to make is that neither of us are plus-sized. Mm-hmm. Or have ever struggled with weight and identity. So any of our takes on that are coming from a place of incredible ignorance. Um, But have you ever been that into a fandom? I've never been so into a fandom that I've written. I've never written fanfic. Me neither. Uh, And I have dressed up to go to the Renaissance Festival. But I've never done like cosplay of a specific character. Me neither. So I've never been the most into any fandoms I ever was would have been during like middle school and high school, Mm -hmm. which for me was like the very beginning of the internet being right. Um, So like we had aims and there were chat rooms, but you didn't live online in the same way. Yeah. So, like, I've definitely been devastated and reading fan theories and reading fan fiction and super into a fandom, like, wanting to know everything about what's happening with a show or a book series. But, like, Alias and Harry Potter. So, it was a very different cultural moment. Yeah. To mention the fact that I've never done it as an adult. And I don't say that judgmentally. I just want to, like, be very clear where we're coming at because these are two. 30 something 40 year old people who are like super into fandom like that is their hobby yeah 
And that's not something that I've ever been a part of. Beyond I mean, like having a romance novel podcast, but that's like a fan. I was gonna say thing. The, the closest I get is um, you know, Romance Landia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and then, but I don't think that's the same level right. of like wanting to know what happens with a character and getting really invested in like a plot arc. Right, 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 exactly. So let's just throw that out there before we start. Yeah. Uh, before we get into our critique or our summary, whatever you want to call our podcast, the meat of the podcast, we did, of course, write our random number summaries. And for this episode, we generated a random number of 33. So I'm going to start because I was just, I was felt very inspired. So here's my 33 word summary. In a world where the actors playing your favorite characters are just as smart and nice as they are hot and sexy, a plus-size geologist slash fanfic author might just find true love. That was brilliant. That was so good. That in a world where, like, come on, Meg, how are you so brilliant? I don't know, Lane. It just happens. (laughs) Sometimes you're just inspired. I was very inspired. This was a very inspiring book. I have to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Mine, which is not as good. An actor asks out a fan to stick it to bullies, but it turns out they're actually online BFFs and he can't tell her he's dyslexic. She's fat and their parents suck. Yeah. I, I like yours a lot because it gets to what I think Olivia Day does really well. And it's having these fully realized characters who have issues that are we sort of talk about in you know modern life contemporary life but she makes these characters feel really real um and it they don't feel like issue characters totally you know what i mean like you're not like oh she's the fat character oh he's dyslexic like it's a part of them but that's mm-hmm. not all of them right so so anyway i like that you mentioned it because I think these were, I don't think the dyslexia was mentioned at all in the official jacket and her being fat is slightly mentioned. Right. So. I I think also, and we'll get into this more. I feel like this is my, like, I'm a broken record in our critiques of contemporary romance. The wider plot and structure of the book and like, comedy worked better for me than the romance Mm -hmm. and so I think to me that was it wasn't like they were issue characters at all but both of them finally sort of feeling comfortable with who they are beyond just those two issues writ large in their late 30s 40s right was what this book was about it's true it's very true. I think in the I think in the contemporaries that we like, we're looking for that complexity, but it can be difficult to really just focus on a love story if we're looking at these larger issues as well. I agree. Definitely. And that's not to say it's a weak love story. No. I felt I definitely felt uh that number one, they were hot for each other, and number two, they were good for each other. Yes. So. It's just to say that one of the things that a good contemporary has to me, but which does take away from the romance, is an ex- 
a well-developed outer world. Mm -hmm. There isn't the same bubble effect that you can get in historical romances. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, so I did give mm -hmm. us a gentleman Jackson's get fit workout because he explicitly had, I mean, he is super sexy, super hot. Like he is jacked. He is on TV with the rippling muscles. Like he has mm -hmm. to do it for his job. And so they talk about it. It's not as exciting as in historicals because in historicals, they ride horses and shit. And in this one, he just goes to the gym a lot. But what I liked was that she didn't. I liked the way he went to the gym. And I know this sounds really stupid, but I, I like how he's like, okay, this is like part of my job. Part of my job is doing this. Yeah. I don't know. I was interested. Maybe this is in sports romance all the time and I just don't read it. But anyway. I thought it was really interesting. He didn't express any feelings about working out at all mm -hmm. it was purely a this is what I do for work I control my eating for work I have no thoughts about it here nor there yeah and I feel like everyone has thoughts about it you would think yeah like even I, the things I do from work I either find them tedious or I like find a way to enjoy them or I think it was like such a deliberate choice to keep his feelings on diet and exercise neutral in contrast to all the pressure she faced. So neutral, yeah. But that was one of the moments where I was like, come on. Like, does he, he mean, does it all the time and it has to be talked about. Does he enjoy it? Like, does I he mean, like to run? Does he hate leg day? Yeah, I mean, yes. But also for me, that was that was part of the fantasy of Marcus being such a wonderful guy. You know, so I didn't want to question it too closely. Right. But it seems like the only thing they both bitched about at their jobs were interpersonal stuff in a way. Yeah. I actually found the way they treated their careers to be one of the most fantasy elements of this book. Yeah. She's like, the thing I, I didn't like about my job was like, I didn't feel like I could connect with my coworkers about everything in my personal life. I'm like, girl, that is not a crisis. Well, I, she was excited about taking this new job because now she can be more open about her about her fan, fan fiction. fiction and cosplay. Which I mean, look, I get it too. I really do understand that one of the best things about a good job is liking your coworkers. Like, sure, it really is. But it's also not the worst thing about a bad job. <laughs> Well, and it's also, I have genuinely liked people who didn't know everything about my hobbies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I'm lying when everybody doesn't know I'm a knitter. Like, but, it everyone, might not be but everyone does know you're a knitter. <laughs> the point is, I don't think it's, like, emotionally damaging. Right. To be in a no. work environment where you don't disclose all of your hobbies to your coworkers. That's true. And I feel like that, like that was her big issue. And his big issue was like the showrunners being bad people who like fucked up the script. Which is very, you know, Game of Thronesy and. But neither of them had any opinions about like a bad day because the work sucked. 
yeah. or because it was like all paperwork or it was, I don't I, know, like, I, I feel like whatever, for both of them, work played such a big part in this book and their co-workers played such a big part in this book that I found the fact that they actually didn't spend much time talking about like the working aspect of the work. Yeah. Was, I mean, like I yeah. said, I'm not, I'm not saying I hated it. I'm saying it was one of the most like high fantasy moments. For yes. Me. But look, this, I want to be clear. This book is a fantasy. There are so many fantasy elements, but I loved them. Basically. Yeah, no, I loved how ridiculous it was. Yeah. I'm not saying this as a criticism. I'm saying one of the things that made me roll my eyes the most in, I think, a way she didn't necessarily intend. Sure. Was all of this, like, emotional drama about work that had nothing to do with, like, do you like doing what you do? Yeah. So what are the tropes? I think the For big sure. one is hidden identity, right? Right. So they're best friends online. They beta read each other's fanfic. Um, they've been, you know, they've disclosed all these secrets and all this stuff to each other online, but they don't, they haven't met in real life. And once they do, he figures it out, but he feels like he can't come clean and tell her he can't disclose. Right. So basically he participates in the online Aeneas Lavinia community in direct violation of his contract. Right. And he relies on his anonymity to protect him from any potential legal recourse. Yes. So while she is going through something herself in her personal life and her work life, where she's trying to be more open about this cosplay fanfic fandom side of her, he's very deliberately choosing to keep like to have that side of himself it must be a secret yes well and they they have they have these you write that these parallel arcs right where she's becoming more open and he's like locking more down yes i actually i call it parallel arcs they're both going through a work crisis yeah they're both finally confronting their parents about major issues in their upbringing yep they're they both coped with a lot of those issues in their 30s via fanfic writing. Mm -hmm. Like these characters are just mirrors of each other in a way I actually thought was really fun and well done. Oh, because I think I part it. of it was like removing the veneer of celebrity. Yes. Like part of the goal of this book was to like make celebrities, they're just like us. And so I thought deliberately making their like internal conflicts so similar was part of the way of making him more relatable. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know that I'm. I'm trash for a good structure in a novel, and she did so well. So good. Yes. So as a part of the hidden identity, they are sort of their secret pen pals. I did. What do you think about his choice to cut off the pen paling once he figured out that they, that she was his pen pal? I understood why he did it because if he had decided I'm not going to tell her in real life who I am, I understood why he couldn't do it as a pen pal. So I, underst I understood his choice. I, actually I feel like also understood. So you, again, if you listen to the podcast, you know that one of my pet peeves is when people are keeping secrets or deliberately lying to each other. I actually felt like I understood his choice to not disclose 
that he was writing the fanfic and that they knew each other. Because even though you feel like you're best friends with someone online, you don't know who they really are until you actually meet them. I agree with that until they slept together. He definitely should have come clean much sooner than he did. But the initial choice, I did understand. Absolutely. And I liked the, like, subtle, he's talked about how, like, as a celebrity, when he makes friends, one of the things he does is, like, plant stories. Yes. So that if they leak, he knows who did who it. Who said it. Mm-hmm. And so he admits his dyslexia to her on their first date, sort of as a, if I see this in the news, I know she said something. Mm-hmm. So, like, I totally got him not coming clean immediately. Right. After they had sex, this is, like, the most minor of minor spoilers. The next chapter starts, like, over a month later. Yeah. And I was like, what? No. Like, on the one hand, I was like, no. But on the other hand, I was like, at least we get a lot of that, like, new relationship shit out of the way. (laughs) I wasn't mad about, I was mad he was still keeping a secret at that point. Well, like. Yeah. 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 So. um, Yeah. There's also a minor arc here of class differences mm-hmm. that I think is really relatable to the historical world. You know, obviously she's a geologist who now works for the government, so she is not mm-hmm. crazy well-paid, even though she is an established professional. Mm-hmm. And he is a gazillionaire, and they do have to have conversations where he reminds her he was brought up like normal. Yeah. But, I mean, brought up like normal. His parents are, like, kind of hot shit in academia. Right, but not, like, celebrity normal. No. So but, I love yeah. I, I I just enjoyed that and even the like she goes to split dinner on the first date when it's still a publicity stunt and he's like, Are you kidding me? And he's like, No, like, come on. <laughs> but the minor of that, and they both have such bad daddy issues, Meg. They do. They have very bad daddy issues. They have and parent mommy issues. issues. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say just like parent issues in general. Yeah. Oh, even, have. but, like, other minor parallels. Like, they both survived minor earthquakes in their childhood and those were formative experiences. Like, come on. It was so, like, perfectly arced. I loved it. I love. I really loved it, actually. Yeah. This is, this is good fiction for me. <laughs> so, I, I thought this book was super fun. I really enjoyed it. I laughed out loud at a lot of the excerpts from his bad scripts. Oh my, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, so the, I could not. The chapter heading for each, for each chapter, it starts with a role that he has played in the past. Or excerpts from fan fiction, or excerpts from scripts he's considering. Yes. Or excerpts from his best friend's bad fanfic. <laughs> yes. It's they're they're great. They're really great, really fun, really fun. I will say I was a little confused about the arc of his career. Yeah. But I was laughing so hard I did not care. Like, when did he do the cheesy shitty like made for TV B movies versus like the serious action hero roles versus like this is a career no one has ever had. No one has ever done like the amount of shit he has done at the varying quality levels, but it was such good it was a great joke. Well, it was a really funny joke. The only person I could think of that, like, maybe sort of fit the bill was, like, Robert Pattinson. 
He's never done like made for TV shit though. He's never done the equivalent of Sharknado, which is clearly what they were referencing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did do some some bad stuff, like, as, but, but very young. Right, so, but even very young, like, he got cast in Harry Potter. Yeah. Anyway, so. he's the person I was thinking of that most closely matched, but they weren't, they weren't like a super match. Um, because this is, so Marcus is, now he's a super celebrity because of this, marquee television show and that's really what's made his name uh and all of the films he was in he wasn't ever in like an oscar-winning film or anything like that so I, I also thought it was interesting because she's pulling from this new like tv celebrity that you can yeah. be just as much of a celebrity as a tv star as a movie as you are as a movie star yeah i think the one thing that frustrated me about this book mm -hmm. other than well, we'll get there, um, was the fact that all of the conflict was resolved by them learning about other people's experiences and applying it to their own, not by actually talking. Yeah. Like, that really bothered me and is the thing that keeps me from loving this book. I like sure. this book. But the first big misunderstanding they have, he creeps on her in his online persona yeah. and figures out why she was weird with him in person. And then the final conflict, she sees what happens to someone who gets put in the position he was afraid of being in. Right. And that's what makes her take him seriously and, like, finally talk it out with him. And I just, once again, parallel arcs, good job, author. But, like, I needed them to be better communicators. I was so frustrated. Yeah. Um, I will say, so I didn't put this in tropes, but there is a grand gesture that I kind of loved. Okay. Sorry, I just had to mention it. So a lot of what, it, a lot of the fantasy of this book, I mean, so, so yes, part of the romantic fantasy is that there's this super hot, super amazing guy, right? Who's a freaking movie star, TV star, whatever, who falls for the normal girl, right? And he's like super nice and super smart and just a wonderful guy. So, of course, that's like one of the fantasies. But the other thing that I loved was just how, and we talked a little bit about this in the Charm Offensive, right? But how everyone that they really come in contact with is just so understanding and so wonderful and so progressive. And it, it just is. If I'm going to read a fantasy, I want to read that fantasy, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it was just so nice. It was just really it was nice. Such an uncomplicated world. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that they didn't come up against like fat shaming or right. trolls or like these terrible like sexual harassment and stuff or like that. Or dyslexia shaming. Right. But the 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 found family that they're with is just so supportive and so wonderful that it's a real pleasure to read. Yes, definitely. I really liked their relationship and their dynamic. Mm -hmm. So one eightying from I don't think that they talked about big stuff in a way that made sense, and I like really wish they had some arguments rather than just shutting down. Right. Um. 
But I totally got why they were so into each other. Like, I bought that they were both homebodies. I bought that they were both sort of nerds. I bought that they both, like, really bonded over this shared traumatic upbringing. Like, I really, I just thought they got along. Yeah. And 150% bought the chemistry. Oh, absolutely bought the chemistry. And I feel like this is something that if you are super cynical would be one of the harder things to take about this book, right? Which is that this like super ripped, amazing celebrity would go for this like regular plus size fat woman, right? Government employee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just pile it on, you know? But I bought it. I bought it. Absolutely. And I... I liked, I think I would have been frustrated if this had been gender swapped, mm-hmm. not just because of the objectification of men in our culture is different from women. And like plus size men do not have the same issues plus size women do. But more specifically, because I think in a way, he knows he's attractive, but the trope underlying it is sort of a, you don't know you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't believe he's smart. He doesn't right. believe he's worthy of her. He doesn't like, yeah, he knows he's pretty. But he thinks that's all he is. Yeah. And I think, like, the reverse of that in a historical would have been a woman who doesn't know she's beautiful. Or even a woman who did know she's beautiful but also thinks she's vain and stupid and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it worked really well with her being this intelligent STEM, like, but not conventionally. I mean, she's described as stunning. She's mm-hmm. just not, like, able to shop in juniors or whatever as an adult i don't know what people do um but i i I think it was really great i think the way his character was developed that like what he really loved about her was that she saw the real him yes like only worked because he was the dude yeah no i agree i agree with you and i loved it and it was sort of a reversal of expectations or reversal of the trope a little bit yeah it's great totally agree uh, so one of their early misunderstandings comes when he has a good time when they hang out, but she's like, yeah, okay. Like that was fine. And he's like, let's hang out again before I leave where they are at San Francisco. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, before I leave San Francisco, let's hang out. And she's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, why don't you meet me at the hotel gym and we can work out together. And she's and like, then have breakfast um, before my like 8 a.m. flight. Yeah. And to him, he's like, oh, because tomorrow my schedule is I have to get up. I have to work out. Then I'm going to go, you know, eat breakfast. Then I'm going to go on my flight. And she's thinking, OK, yeah, we had a great time. And he already wants me to lose weight, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. What would you I was actually wondering about this because I totally understood where she was coming from and how she was feeling. If some dude asked you that, like, meet me in the hotel gym and let's work out together tomorrow, how would you feel? Like, what would you do? I don't do anything before 8 a.m. <laughs> Even if he was, like, super hot. One of the things I think this book handled overall pretty deftly but did make me think, and I'm not sure which side I come down on, is how liable or how responsible the other party should be for being aware of someone's internalized issues. Yeah. Like I, he had no way of knowing that him just saying like, this is my schedule tomorrow. Feel free to join me for any of it. 
was going to be taken as so pointed a comment by her. And given right. her past experience, I understand why she responded the way she did. But is it his job to be aware of that and censor himself? Or is it her job to not assume the worst of everyone? Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is where we're talking about like microaggressions, right? Right. Like because sometimes I'm in, sure that isn't totally a microaggression. Yeah. So like someone comes in and they have an unusual name and you say, oh, wow, what a beautiful name. Where is it from? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Like you think, oh, I'm showing interest. This is really interesting. And they're like, oh, I have an unusual name. I guess no one ever asked you about your name, huh, Meg? You know? Right. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was very interesting because I felt like Olivia Date as the author sympathized with both characters. Mm-hmm. She didn't vilify Marcus for not understanding. No, and I like I said, I think in this book, my only frustration with this conflict is that it was ultimately resolved not by them communicating. Right. Anyway, I I found that whole sequence very interesting. Yes. Um, and I was, uh, I really liked reading it in a romance novel, basically. If if the solution had been, and then they texted, I totally agree with you. I kind of like loved their fanfic relationship. I loved that. So he wrote this thing that she thought was like maybe a little misguided. And so she, this is how they met. Correct me if I'm wrong. He writes this fic and she reached out to him like private messages in and says, Hey, I liked it, but I think you totally misinterpreted this thing. And instead of getting like pissed off and totally shutting her down, he takes the criticism. He like makes his fiction better. They their whole relationship is founded on this mutual respect, and he thinks he's a better writer than he is. Of course, she doesn't know that that's what their relationship is founded on, but that's a whole different story. I just really liked this the fan fiction relationship that they formed with each other. Yes. How any content warnings other than like people being fat shamed and dyslexia shamed and sold on the internet and the lying and the lying. Yeah. His bosses. So the showrunners are like the obvious villains of the series, I guess. Yeah. And by of the series, I mean of this book series, but also of the TV series. Right. Yes. And they're they're just gross in general. That mm-hmm. said, I don't know if that needs really a content warning. No, but I think that raises a wider point. There's uh, there's a lot of mention of sort of shitty men getting away with known bad behavior in Hollywood. Right. Not just them, but even like directors or screenwriters of scripts he's being pitched. Right. And while he personally is taking a stand now that he's sort of got power in his career in rejecting participating in movies or TV shows where these people are involved moving forward. I do think there's frustration that like these characters do what we know everyone has done for decades and just sort of like even if they personally take a stance, there's no one really working to fix the system. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how sexy did you think this book was, Lane? You were first. I I thought this was very sexy. I thought it was very sexy. 
I thought it was sexy, but okay. This had one of my pet peeves, and this was the other thing I did not like about this book. What was it? Tell me what your pet peeve is. You know that I have been distracted in the past when during sex scenes, one of the characters is really focused on like their issue. Whether it's like we're having sex, but I'm thinking about the time I was molested. Or we're having sex, but I'm thinking about the fact that you don't really know who I am. That she thinks about how like their sex is different because she's fat a lot. Yeah. And not in an angsty way. It's not like a, oh God, but in a like, oh, I wish I could like put my thighs around him and he could pick me up, but he can't because I'm fat. So I'll, I'll imagine it later. Yeah. Or like, you know, oh, bec- I'm I'm on top of him, which makes me feel really powerful and can control of sex. Also, because I'm fat and he actually can't move. <laughs> and I was like, here's the thing. I understand the author wanting to celebrate her body. Right. And I think all of the depictions of him rub- running his hands over her dimpled thighs and round stomach and super soft body, like, achieved that. Like... I feel powerful because I'm on top is a sentence that doesn't need and also because I'm fat so he can't move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I mean I think it's interesting because from his perspective, I think I think Olivia Day was very careful not to have him like fetishize her weight. Oh, absolutely not. So he was like into her because he thought she was sexy, not because not he thought she was sexy because she was fat. Right. Right. On the other hand, she had April, as Lane says, like she's really thinking about her body and her weight and her fatness during their sex scenes. And it it like you said, it is almost like a trauma response or treated like that. But on the other side, on the other hand, I think it's also her claiming her body and like feeling good in the body. So I, I see both sides. Yeah. It's not that I think it's unrealistic or inauthentic. I'm always taken out of the sexiness because this mm-hmm. is the sexiness section when like what people are thinking about isn't just this feels good. You're hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And she was like very much not, he wasn't just, it wasn't just descriptions of him celebrating her body. It was her specifically thinking of the way that her body. I don't want to, I really want to be careful with how I say this. Like mm-hmm. sort of thinking about the differences in her sex life because she is not fit. Right. And I didn't think the book needed that, especially because she didn't ever come off as insecure about her body. She came off as insecure about how people responded to her body. But right. she was not ashamed of being big in and of herself. She was n- nervous that other people would respond negatively. Right. So I just found that, like, clearly internalized fat phobia of, like, oh, this would be different if I were thin, but I want to celebrate the way it is because I'm fat. Right. As, like, something that distracted me from the fact that she was on top of him and his dick was in her. <laughs> right. Well, one of my favorite sexy parts in the book was um, they were just were so into each other. They just made out with each other on the all street the all the time. And they got heckled by some lady who was like, just not on my fence, okay? 
they he gave her a hickey before their lips touched because yeah. he was just like distracted in a public place. I totally bought it. I I bought it. I liked it. I was so into it. So 100%. I will say I think she knows how to write sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also maybe more excited for the next one than this one. I am so excited about the next book. You guys, it gets it it's really well established in this book. I don't think it takes away from April and Marcus's story. And, and I actually think the way the clear hero of the next book is incorporated is really necessary to April and Marcus's story. So it's not even just like that dressing that was funny, so I was okay with it. Like I think she did a good job making it a necessary part of the plot. She, she did a really, really good job of setting up the next relationship, you know, who they're going to be. But then also you get to know, you get to know the hero of the next book pretty well. And I think he's, he's special. a fun, modern type. Yes, yes. I'm yes. And very different from Marcus, and I am very excited. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited for it. So definitely recommend this one, guys. Agreed. Well, if you're liking the podcast, we'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.